Welcome to Awakened and Alive After 40, a weekly podcast about stepping outside of the box and into a life that is true to who you really are. We're your hosts, Dominique and Carrie, two 40-something-year-old friends and coaches who are on a journey to live the second half of our lives with greater flow and ease. Our passion is to guide and support our clients in becoming their most authentic and aligned selves. We love digging into a variety of topics and sharing some of our insights and perspectives through our coaching lenses. We both spent the first half of our lives trying to fit into a box only to realize we were burnt out and searching for a better way to do life. We are here to remind you that it's never too late to start living your best life. Let's get into today's episode. We are super excited today because we are having two of our favorite people on our podcast. Mm -hmm. We were guests on their podcast and we had such a great time that we asked them if they wanted to be on our podcast and luckily they said yes. So we are so excited to have Emma and Lisa on our podcast, two girlfriends who have a podcast called There Are No Tangents, which is so fun. They talk about anything and everything and truly they have no problem with going in any direction on their <laughs> podcast, which is so amazing. So welcome, Emma and Lisa. How are you? Hi. Hello. We're thrilled to be here. We are. We've been so excited. So first I'm going to go to Emma because Emma and I know each other from our Enneagram coaching certification program, and that's how we sort of all got connected. So Emma, Tell us just a little bit about yourself and about your podcast. Well, thank you again for having me and for having Lisa with me. So I live in Kentucky, central Kentucky. I'm married. I have two children. That's like a little bit about personal life. And then I am also an Enneagram coach, as Carrie mentioned, and I've been doing that for just under a year at this point. And loving it very, very much and have been in love with the Enneagram for much longer than a year. But um, yeah, and so I have a podcast with one of my besties, Lisa, and we have had an absolute blast. And we've talked about this when we had you all on our podcast, of course, but it kind of, we have parallel journeys to an extent with both of our podcasts. And so it's just been really cool to kind of be doing that side by side. And there's a lot of overlap, but there's also, you know, differences in them, of course. And so, yeah, you described it really well. We do talk about anything and everything. We're very curious people. Um, we have that in common. And so it feels to us almost like everything is linked together. And so it's like, we'll start talking about this and we're like, oh my gosh, that reminds me of this thing. And so, um, we were having a lot of conversations on Voxer, the app, like a walkie talkie app and just decided like, okay we should probably make this into a podcast. Uh, I'll let Lisa kind of, if she wants to tell anything about that, because I guess she brought it up first and apparently I didn't hear it anyway. ready to receive it. It's okay. I wasn't, I wasn't. Just being a projector, putting it out, waiting for somebody <laughs> to recognize. Absolutely. Yeah. So Lisa, tell us a little bit about yourself and also what made you think this would make a great podcast. My chats with Emma. Yeah. Okay. So a little about me. Um, I also am currently in Kentucky. Emma and I are practically neighbors, but in a week and a half, I am officially moving to Asheville, North Carolina. 
which is wonderful and exciting, but I am incredibly sad. Emma probably doesn't hear that enough. <laughs> Just kidding. Likewise. Also married two kids, ginger boys, both Aries. <laughs> yeah, I have my work cut out for me. Um, so I am a pretty creative person and that has gone in a lot of different directions also kind of simultaneously. So I write for a magazine. I love aesthetics in general. So I'm always like rearranging my house and painting walls and collecting art. I also have kind of started this interesting take on coaching enterprise. So what I have been experimenting with is blending coaching with brand identity design. So graphics and websites, you know, logos, that sort of stuff which has been fun, but I'm just kind of getting that started and it's relatively on pause because of my move, but hopefully I'll kind of get things going again soon, but that's been really fun. So I love any sort of like hands-on creative activity. It's definitely an outlet for me. After the visuals you created for Emma, she posted something and I was like, what is that little visual there. She's like, Oh, Lisa made that for me. Yeah. Yeah. We have this project. So I'm working on these visuals for this project she's working on, which is super, super fun for me. And hopefully will work out in her favor as well. So thank you. I appreciate that. That's so exciting. It just popped into my head right now, uh, because I know you're familiar with human design, Lisa. Do you know what your strongest sense is? Inner vision. Inner vision. Okay. Okay. I have outer vision. And I was, I was thinking, I was like, "Uh Oh, the vision. Yeah. I thought before I explored that. And when I just like read what the options were, I was like, Oh, I must be outer vision. That would make a lot of sense for me. But then it was inner vision. And I can really see that too. Yeah. That feels right too. This is like translating the inner to the outer, I guess. And my environment is kitchens. Mm. Okay. That's fantastic. Yeah. Emma, do you know yours, your sense and your environment? I don't. I I think, is it touch or I can't remember. I can't either. Sorry. I'm not as well-versed in human design. I do really love it. What I've read, but I don't know that. And I think you actually asked me to look that up. You're like, what is yours? And I was like, I'll check it out. And I didn't. (laughs) Oh, um, do you know yours, Carrie? Yeah. Mine is smell, which I actually do relate to a lot because I'm a very like olfactory person and good when I was a discerning. child yeah when I was a child I made connections with people through smell like I loved the smell of my sister and I would just always sniff her and if I get that <laughs> smell now like of my sister's smell it's like oh so nostalgic and like I love it oh yeah that's so sweet oh my gosh that really is and then they say you know with the smell there's very strong sense of discernment too like whether you can trust someone or if someone is being trustworthy yeah like sneaky (laughs) or not in any way yeah I always felt like yeah that was something I could relate with especially through work if I felt like someone had an ulterior motive at work I would always tell my team like are you guys not seeing this Mm -hmm. I don't think they're being forthright or whatever it may have been yeah and that's very much linked to the smell as a strong sense i have to look that up now yeah i'm dying to know okay sense or something okay sense is that what it's called 
Yeah. So speaking of just random tangent that we just went on <laughs> with that, I was yeah. just really curious about that, Lisa, because that sounds fascinating what you have going on with the coaching and designing. And so it sounds like a beautiful thing. And I might have to get in touch with you soon about that. Yeah, I would love that. And same with human design for you, Dominique. But yes, that's a different topic. But yeah, so, and well, here's the thing, like, another tangent, you know, like major imposter syndrome, because my degree is in English. So writing makes a lot of sense. But as far as like creating the visuals, that's all just experiential. And I just kind of learned over time how to do what I wanted to do. But you know, like I, of course, I'm like, I, but I'm not a graphic designer, mm -hmm. because you know, that's not what my education, that's not where my training is, right. So I've had to work through that a lot. But I will say clients that I really want to work with are people like you all who are entrepreneurs, coaches, like helping professionals, you know, who are just getting started and maybe you're not investing thousands and thousands of dollars on a website or a logo or whatever. I feel like there's kind of an in-between like DIY and you know, it's really super expensive graphic and web designers. Right. And so that's kind of where I, that's where I want to go. I love that. I think that's a really untapped market because yeah, when people are first getting started, like you said, they don't have the budget and to have an affordable option out there. I'm also thinking like when you all were starting your podcast and you wanted a song and you found an affordable way to get exactly the kind of music you wanted, you didn't have to hire some professional musician that would have broken right. the bank. Right. Right. Yeah. Emma gets the credit for that one. <laughs> I love me some Muzak. And yeah, yeah definitely eager to tap into those hip hop and rap beats. So. <laughs> it was funny oh, because yeah. my partner wrote our song because he is a composer. And I told Emma, like, he could write a song for you. And Emma said, does he do rap? And I said, no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> considering using him though. Um, but I was like, okay, well then that's not going to work. Emma had a vision there. She's like, mm -mm, no, <laughs> I have to have my rap. Yeah. I got to have my rap. I'm kind of like what you were saying, Lisa, how you were trained or educated in English and then now discovering this other side, this other creative side, because I mean, mm -hmm. all creative, like you don't yes. have to just do art in order to be a creative person. But I think it's amazing because there's so many gifts that we all have that we're not aware of because the school system, you know, doesn't tap into some of those parts because it's very, you know, specific system driven looking for logic and things like that. And yeah. obviously nothing wrong with it, but it's just super cool how sometimes we come to discover these gifts that are just unique to us by trying things out and experimenting. And I know yeah. Lisa, you very much are on that experiment side with your one, three, correct yeah. projector exactly. as myself. And so it's just, it's a beautiful thing that you have discovered that about yourself. Thank you. I feel, I feel you on the imposter syndrome big time. Cause for me, it's more of, I have a storyteller side to myself, but I never saw myself as someone who could write or tell stories. Cause I was horrible in speech class and grammar and English. I was very much math and science or more so science driven. Yeah. yeah so the imposter syndrome hit me big time when I started my business. Yeah. So it's interesting how that 
works out, but I'm just so excited to see more of your stuff grow. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I was going to say like the lessons that we can really learn and what we're here to learn about ourselves, you know? Yeah. I feel like that is what life is about. Just to continue learning lessons about ourselves and how we're interacting with those we love, just the world in general. And it's just continually a learning process. And I I tell even my coaching clients, if your outcome in coaching is to hit like, okay, I'm finally healed. I know who I am and I'm done. There's no finish line. Sorry. But if you're expecting there to be a finish line, then we need to reevaluate things and kind of take a step back. And that's the exciting thing in my mind about always discovering new things. And so I think that's very, very fun. And so like this brings us into just wanting to have some conversation with not only what the two of you are going through right now with your friendship and this move and just how difficult it is, but I mean, just women having relationships with other women and how in the years for myself, like it's been a struggle, but now I've hit a place where it just feels so enriching. And I think it's just an interesting topic to talk about is just the importance of female relationships Mm -hmm. and a little bit about our own experiences. How did you all meet? We met originally through, we were in a, a program called MOPS, which is like moms of preschoolers. And Lisa had just moved to town, right? Yep. Shortly before we started that year. And I was the coordinator for the MOPS program that year. And so we just kind of met through that, ended up getting together for coffee. And we honestly started having a lot of the same conversations that we now have on our podcast. We were just talking about other podcasts and I think astrology came up and, you know, who knows what else we di- we discussed that day. But it was just one of those like, oh, this is fun. We have a lot of similarities mm-hmm. in common and things like that. So yeah, we met through, yeah. through that program. Yeah. I have found that as I observe myself, when I meet people, I think that I might like, I immediately will bring up podcasts. Like, do you listen to podcasts? What kind of podcasts do you like? Or things like that. Because I'm like, I want to, that social, you know, like I want to know if we have like anything in common. And I want to know if you're curious and what you're Mm -hmm. curious about, like what you like to learn about. So that was one of the first things that we talked about listening to podcasts. Definitely. And of course I was like, yes, because I'm Mm -hmm. obsessed with podcasts. Um, Probably listen to them a little bit too frequently, not as much recently, but definitely at that time I was, and I was definitely deep into the Enneagram at that point. So I'm sure I was like, oh, Enneagram podcasts and, you know, sorts of things, but yeah. Lisa, had you heard of the Enneagram before you met Emma? Had never heard of it. No, which is interesting because I was like kind of interested, not super deeply, but interested in Myers-Briggs and general like personal growth and things like that. But I had not come across Enneagram and it took a little while for me to really start exploring it. But Emma has continue to encourage me. And Lisa, so you're familiar with human design. Now, was that after you had learned about the Enneagram Mm -hmm. and found that? It was, yeah, probably. Emma, do you remember maybe a couple of years ago now, probably close to two years, I'm going to say. Yeah, I would say at least Mm -hmm. that feels right. But it's just kind of been like, I'll explore a little piece here and explore a little piece there. And then kind of dove into it pretty hard for a while. And now it's been 
quite a bit since I've really explored a lot just because, you know, I haven't had as much opportunity, but it's super fascinating. That's fantastic. Yeah. Now, as far as the relationship that the two of you have cultivated over the years, do you find that there's a difference in the, like the richness of it compared to relationships you had like in your teenage years or even before then? Like, what are some things that you notice? Because I know I'm just always fascinated because of how deeply transformative my relationships as I've been older have been compared to when I was younger. And I know that's just part of growing up, but yeah. you are open to sharing more about, you know, just how special your relationship has been and with this move coming up. Yeah. Do you want to start Emma? The first thing that popped into my head when you asked that question was just the episode we released on our podcast just yesterday. And it involves a little bit about this like robustness that we have cultivated within our, our friendship. But one of the topics in that episode is about soulmates. And so this was just a week or two ago, but essentially, you know, I had sort of conjured up an idea of what I thought soulmates were. And I thought it was like this one specific romantic partner that you were meant to meet. You know, that was my idea of soulmate. And I saw something on Instagram that really caught my attention about soulmates. And I was for whatever reason, like, oh my gosh. And I sent it to Lisa and she was like, wow, I've been exploring this topic. And I actually think you're one of my soulmates. Mm -hmm. And I was like, like heard up and like my heart welled up and it was so meaningful to me. And then she sent me an article about like, there's 12 different types of soulmates. Of course, you know, it's this one article, but it made more sense to me that the idea of a soulmate could be multifaceted. And so I've been thinking a lot about that. It's a really timely question, like over the course of the last week, just how that feels really rare for me in my life. But I definitely feel I have like a reciprocity in that. Like, you know, I definitely feel that way about Lisa as well. And I mean, I could say a lot more, but maybe I could always say more because, <laughs> because that's how I work. And Carrie's laughing because she's like, oh, yes, yeah, she can. But I'm going to cut myself off and see if Lisa has anything to say. I agree. Well, I'm wow. I have a lot of thoughts. So I have to say like, first, what came up for me, Dominique was definitely like in relation to what you were saying about yourself. I mean, growing up, I did have girlfriends, but I really preferred guy friends and always had a lot of guy friends. And I have somewhat explored why I think that is. And I really think it had to do probably a lot with my relationship with my mother and, you know, emotional safety with other females, you know, and there was something about like, if relationships with guys just seem in a way like so much easier, like there's not the same competitiveness that you can have, especially when you get older, right? With other females. I mean, I had, you know, a couple best friends in high school. I don't know, a number of really great girlfriends in high school, definitely in college and as an adult too. But I think I've only had a few great female friends like Emma. And I feel like a lot of that is around 
normalizing, first of all, I think normalizing certain topics of conversation. Would you say that's true, Emma? Yeah, absolutely. That's a component. I don't know, like maybe getting more comfortable with myself too, and really understanding what I value in a relationship, a friendship. I think over the years, I've definitely had discomfort with, Emma and I have talked about this, discomfort with needing and really desiring deep friendships, especially with women. And so I've really had to work through that. I don't know. Anything else? I feel like I'm missing a lot. I'm curious what all of our sibling structure is. Like I am the oldest of two girls and that's it. Emma, what about you? Same for you, Lisa, right? Oldest of two girls. And yeah, so my family's dynamics interesting. My parents were married to other people before and they each had a daughter. And so I have two older half sisters and an older stepsister. And we're talking, you know, nine, 10 years older. And then I have a younger brother who's just 18 months younger than me. That's the dynamic there. So I'm, I'm not technically the oldest, but because there's so much space, like I'm, I kind Mm -hmm. of am like the oldest, if that makes sense. And Dominique, you are the oldest. I'm an only child uh, until my father remarried. And when I was 17, my first half brother was born and then 19 second half brother was born. So they're 23 and 21 now and just the most amazing people ever. But I pretty much am an only child. And it's interesting, both Emma and Lisa, what you shared, I so resonate with. And thank you very much for both sharing something that is so personal and vulnerable, you know, to sometimes admit, but Lisa, like your whole story, that is pretty much my experience growing up as well. And that's why I I always love to hear everyone's story because in a way, like for myself, it kind of confirms like, okay, this is normal. Like this was normal for me to not feel as safe around girls or have only one or two close girlfriends and all the rest were guys especially with my history, I was always surprised that I felt more comfortable with guys, but it just, it worked out that way. My dad was always like my security blanket Mm -hmm. same time. So when I also look back, Lisa, and try to examine why I might have felt certain ways, like, yes, I know there's a lot of that tied into it. And as I've also gotten older and learned more about myself and you know, the ways in which I used to hide myself, that has also opened me up to just deeper connections with certain, you know, girls in my life. And Carrie is one of those where it was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. We have so much in common. Like there's not that pettiness, you know, that can kind of sometimes be problematic. And I think just like, when you're even dating someone, you're looking for compatibility. You know, if it's a romantic relationship or a friendship, it's compatibility. And sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. And I think the more authentic we are with ourselves, that's when the relationships we really are desiring kind of come to find us. 
And it's usually later in life, I think, for some. I mean, yeah, well, especially like, you know, and going back to what Lisa was saying too about having Mm -hmm. similar values. And so if you are somebody who really values something like growth or whatever, so you know you're going to be working on yourself, you're going to be exploring, you're invested in your inner world and any inner work that you're doing and you're trying to become more self-aware. Like when that's like a priority Mm -hmm. for you, it just seems only natural that you would gravitate toward other people who are also invested and interested in that. And so it's like a common ground, but it also is building that connection. Like, you know, it's not just something you can talk about, something you can like be about. I mean, it's literally helping to form a stronger bond and foundation because as you get to know yourself more, you can, as you were saying, Dominique, yeah. like step more into that authenticity. And, you know, and I feel like when we can, Uh, not mask so much and really show up how we really are. And that's seen by other people and valued Mm -hmm. by other people and received. It just makes all the difference in the world. I think for all kinds of different reasons, we can protect and mask and do all those sorts of things, you know, and then as we do our own work, we can definitely cultivate those healthier relationships. So I would be curious how you all might relate to this. I was just thinking like, so Emma and I are both mothers. And I think so many people of our age, so many women have children. And that becomes a lot of times like their life. That's who they are, you know, certainly not in all cases. But I think something that's really important to me is being able to have important, deep conversations. That's not just like, oh, my kids, whatever, or my husband or whatever, like at a much deeper level. So being a mom, you know, that gives you maybe something in common with another person. But to me, that's not a great foundation for a relationship. There has to be a lot more than that. And I think that ties in with what you were saying, Emma, when you're working and doing your own inner work and things like that, it's important to have relationships with people who can like kind of bolster you and support you on that journey. I mean, the mom thing is just an example, but you know, superficial relationships or, you know, more like acquaintance type for me are not super hard to come by necessarily, but finding people that you can really talk about these things with, and you really relate on this much deeper level. That's I think hard to find. Is I agree. And, and to your point earlier too, I relate also to other things you all were saying about like a little bit of like tentativeness, I'll say, with female relationships, not all, I had some really great female relationships, but I also had a lot of male relationships. And so just being able to find like psychological safety with another person. So it is doing your own work, but it's also feeling like this is a non-judgmental zone, but it's also being aware of the fact that not only are you doing your own work, that other person's doing their own work and they have cultivated a safe space for you so that you feel like you can show up because there's a lot of people I think that, and I don't even, I haven't even fully figured this out. This would be a whole nother tangent, but it's like, there are people who are like, I'm a safe space and da, 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 da. But when I'm with them and they are probably for a lot of people, but for whatever reason, I'm like, okay, if you say so, like, you know, but I just can't let myself go there. And I don't know what that's about. But so anyway, it's like an energy thing too. It's mm-hmm. so fascinating. It really is an energy thing. And I was just listening to what you said, uh, how like someone can claim to be a safe space, 
but you not necessarily feel it. And I very much believe that it's yes, energy, but also nervous system regulation because our nervous systems are constantly communicating with each other. And so kind of like when someone's trying to find a therapist and they meet one and they're like, oh man, no, I didn't like them. They just, you know, didn't give me the right vibe. So therapy is not for me. And so it's, it's one of those things where I'll tell my coaching clients, I'll be like, you know, unfortunately it's kind of like, you know, dating, (laughs) you have to be okay with saying, you know what, I appreciate having this session, but I don't feel that we are compatible with each other. And so I do believe a lot of that energy nervous system regulation is a big part of just why we are the way we are in relationships, because I mean, it's all about belonging and having safety with each other and kind of going back to like what Lisa was saying with the mom life. That's something that I have definitely seen in a lot of my friendships and friendships that I've lost because of them shifting identities into motherhood. And that is absolutely fine. If that's what makes you happy, that is fantastic. Um, For me, I do believe that a lot of that loss of identity comes from just conditioning because that's what it was for how many years we have seen through our grandparents, our parents, how the, the mom was the homemaker and the one to do things with the the children. And it became her identity because that was her role. And now with so many different things shifting in this world, I mean, look at marriage in general and, you know, who you're allowed to love now. And so I believe that it's still a part of that conditioning where you no longer is there. Now it's just mom. And it kind of breaks my heart sometimes when I see that, especially to like real, you know, strong cases I've seen and friends. But at the same time, I just, I remind myself like, look, if they're happy, if they feel good about this, then I'm happy for them as well. Not everybody is going to believe what I believe. And that's the beauty of it. It's, It's interesting to kind of see that from the outside. Yeah, because it seems like that's such a major catalyst for an identity shift, you know, or perceived identity Mm -hmm. shift. And that was something I struggled with. And so I think it's especially important to me when I do meet people that I can have, you know, this connection with, and it's mine and it's really me. And it's not just this part mm. of me who is a mother or a wife. I don't know if that makes sense, but no. it's like something deeper than just like, I want to complain about my kids being dicks today yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes we do do that first. You gotta, you gotta let it out sometimes. Yeah, like absolutely. I mean, like situational, right? It's circumstantial, but it's not like the basis of our friendship and it's not the basis of most of our conversations. It's like yeah. so much deeper and bigger than that. Yeah. And interestingly, I mean, going back to like the fact that we met at a mops, it kind of was a little Mm. entryway, right? It's an entryway, Mm -hmm. but it's not the foundation to your point that our relationship is built upon. And so, yeah, it is really fascinating. And when you were saying the thing that I'm not going to go off on this tangent either, sorry, but it just like clicked in my head because Carrie and I were taking this class together. And so when Lisa was just mentioning, like you have these identity shifts or whatever, And when we learned about the heart center and, you know, basically the heart is the seat of our identity. 
and we have the image over top of it, right? But when something really affects us in our heart, it impacts our identity. And when our identity is affected, our external world must cooperate with that. Like it yeah. must also shift, right? And you could use that with anything. Like you mm. realize, oh, you know, I'm gay or, oh, I'm whatever. Like my identity is shifting um, in some capacity. And when your heart's deeply touched, that has to happen. And that does happen, obviously, when you have children. So, mm. but it is finding yeah. that balance, you know, like, not letting that to your point, Lisa, letting that be the, a part of you, but not the entirety. And I, that's definitely something we have in common. Yeah, for sure. And, and I love that you bring up the heart center there and the Enneagram because in human design, it's the, the G center, which oh. yes, your identity center, it's the I am center. And for example, myself, I have an open G center. So that means that I grew up very much like a chameleon. So I would just morph into what I thought I needed to be in order to be liked by someone or loved by someone because I didn't have an identity of my own. And it left me very wise to understanding human behavior and testing things out. But it also leads to some painful moments too, when you can't finally land on something and know strongly who you are and who you want in your life. So it is very much, I think, a big part of that and just fitting in, belonging, mm -hmm. wanting to belong to a group of, you know, women, mothers or whoever it may be, just having that connection and belonging. And I know with the 1-3 profile, Lisa, that's a very intrapersonal profile. You probably yeah. remember that. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of self focus in there. So that's another thing that makes total sense for you to just have that awareness of what you want for yourself and having more of, of that versus someone who is all about the people in yeah. their worlds, focuses on the people in their worlds to, you know, bring safety or connection to. So it's not necessarily about themselves. And that's why it's a beautiful thing that we are all so different. It's about just recognizing it, having compassion for it and allowing it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say that I feel like Emma and Lisa, you have really done a great job at maintaining your sense of identity outside of being moms, which I think has contributed to cultivating and maintaining such a rich friendship it's not just like you said all about what are your kids doing and let's meet up so the kids can play like you get together intentionally without your children and you do things just the two of you because of the friendship itself not because mm -hmm. of having kids around the same age yeah absolutely we feel emotional <laughs> let it out let it out it's beautiful because and, you know, I was thinking too, like, I love that both of you chose not to have children. And I wish, honestly, I was friends with more women who didn't, because I think it's so important for me to try to really be me. And I don't know, I don't know where to take that, but that's, I've thought about that quite a lot. Thank you for seeing that. Like, thank you for just... <laughs> you know, open arms welcoming that because we've, we've shared on one of our episodes that it's been a challenge on having kids and maintaining relationships with friends or even finding new relationships because 
a lot of people and have feeling children. like valid women. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the connection too, like you were saying, Lisa, it's not just about your kids or your husband, like having that that deeper connection of like, okay, who are you? Mm -hmm. I want to know you. I love hearing about your kids and your life and all that, but tell me about you. What drives you? What makes you light up? And that's like the juicy stuff, right? I don't care about, I mean, if you need to complain because like shit's happening and you're frustrated, like that's all fine. But Mm -hmm. like, there's gotta be more than that. Right. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I feel like in order to be not only just better mothers or, you know, people, humans in general, it's recognition for who you are feeding your needs and desires in ways in order for you to really like glow as Mm -hmm. whoever it is that you are serving as the best mother you could be. feel like you just, you can't leave yourself behind. Yeah. And I, I would even say like, I think that's probably one thing that really drew me to the Enneagram or one thing that really clicked when I found the Enneagram because I found it well six-ish years ago or so so my children were very young toddlers you know and so being in that fog and I went through postpartum depression after I had both of them yada yada the whole thing and so just feeling like a little disoriented and yeah that question who am I and what am I about? And all those sorts of things. So finding something that really goes deep, if you allow it to, (laughs) you allow it to work on you. Um, and you allow it to kind of show you your motivations and all these sorts of things. It was just, it was scary and a little embarrassing, but it was also a breath of fresh air. Like, just illuminating in a lot of ways. And it's a tricky thing because there's like contextual stuff, right? Like growing up in a a Christian home and trying to work out my faith in that way and like understand what, I don't know. It was just a whole, it's still going on, honestly. But like, that was a huge important shift for me into that inner turn, right? And to turning inward. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Emma. I feel like it's always, we're trying to figure out who we are, who we want to be, shed the conditioning that we've carried for most of our lives. But, oh my gosh, this has been just such a beautiful conversation (laughs) and enriching. Oh gosh, like (laughs) goosebumps the whole time. And you ladies are so incredibly just fantastic. And again, thank you so much to open your hearts and be vulnerable and share everything you have. We just love, love, love this so much. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Absolutely absolutely. wonderful. Yeah. We're grateful for you all. Now we would love to hear if there's anything going on in your businesses right now, if you would like to share anything with the listeners. And of course we'll have everything linked in the show notes. So we'll start Emma. If there's anything that's happening that you'd like to share. I assume y'all are going to put the websites and all that kind of jazz. So people can feel free to check that out. There's definitely going to be a lot more details there, but I do have a couple specials on packages going on right now. One is a two session typing bundle. It's basically two sessions for the price of one. And then I have another bundle that's like a four session bundle that's discounted as well for coaching. I also lead 
workshops and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I'm prepping for one currently. Very cool. And Lisa, I know you've got a lot going on right now, but if there's anything that you'd like to share. Um, yeah, I'll just say definitely I'll share my website and socials with you guys for the show notes. But if anybody wants any sort of brand identity slash coaching help, I would be mm-hmm, excited mm-hmm. to chat. And I have been trying to continue to do these sorts of projects like I'm doing with Emma as I have been transitioning. It's been important for me to kind of hold on to that stuff. But yeah, it's going to be probably a few weeks. But yeah, that's any sort of creative project. I'm here for it. Beautiful. Thank you both so much. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider sharing it with friends and or family. We'd be incredibly grateful if you rated and reviewed the podcast on your preferred listening platform as it really helps. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can connect with us through our websites or Instagram, which are all linked in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. Our theme song was written by Michael Ahrens.